I'm spinning in circles and talking to myself. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Welcome to a new spin on autism. Answers with host and international speaker and performer, Lynette Louise. Besides working on her doctorate in psychophysiology, Lynette has raised eight children, six adopted, and four of them falling somewhere on the autism spectrum. Laugh with her, cry with her, as she talks to both experts and parents and takes you through the often confusing, sometimes frustrating, sometimes overwhelming, but always fascinating world of autism. Hello and welcome. This is a new spin on autism. Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host, otherwise known as The Brain Broad. Today's episode is about thankfulness and sensory enrichment. So it's going to be a fantastic show. And as a matter of fact, at the very end, when if you stay with me all the way to the end, when we do stories from the road, I'm going to talk about sensory enrichment with thankfulness. I think. I'm going to try and come up with something from my life that will match that. Anyways, don't forget to do that. Stay with us all the way to the end. It's always worth the journey. And just before that, I'm going to have in place of my okay, 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 great guest giveaway, I'm going to have another guest who's going to share her thankful story. And so that's going to be really awesome. And since Thanksgiving's coming, it really makes sense for us to be doing that. So I'm all about making sense, right? Right? Yeah, you all agree with me. Okay. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to tell you how the next guest came to be. You know, people send me stuff all the time because I travel internationally working with autism and I have my story and, you know, I'm posting. I'm pretty active in the world of autism. So people are always sending me bits and pieces that uh, they think might be of interest. And I got in my inbox uh, a link to a TED Talk. Now, just so you know, being on the TED Talks is like one of my goals in life. I'm desperately desiring to get on a TED Talk. And so far, no go. Not that I've actively pursued it, but I keep hoping someone will come up to me and say, hey, Lynette, you should do a TED Talk. Um, so when they sent it to me, I'm an active watcher of TED Talks, and I watched it. Now, often I don't you know, have time for the things that come my way, so I'm really happy that I watched this one and that I did click on the link. So um, I, I'm watching this TED Talk, and it's a gentleman and his daughter. And it's about autism because, you know, that's what people usually send me, although sometimes I get other brain disorder issues. And it was E.L. Aronoff and Leah Aronoff. Now, it was a wonderful TED Talk, so I, I was captivated by it. Um, and they were talking about how, and, and by the way, the daughter talked about, you know, she shared her story as well. So she was very wonderful on stage. But the father talked a lot about how, you know, he'd had, his daughter was challenged with autism and he was having difficulties. And our guests will be able to clear up any mistakes I make in my memory here of the talk. But, um, you know, he went on and, and explained the, the problem of removing everything in our world, removing all germs, removing all sounds, you know, you know, isolating the child into a sort of a prison of, oh, they can't handle this, so let's not do it. And how enriching his daughter's life had sort of turned her brain on. And they, and then she, talked about that as well, how she got turned on and she was able to do all these things. It was just wonderful. And I thought, I really badly want to connect with these folks and find out about this company. So I Googled it. And sure enough, they're called Mendability, and we have the CEO with us. And i got to tell you, I agree with everything 
that they say so far. So um, I'm really, really stoked to be sharing uh, Kim with you today. So Kim, I hope I say his name right, Palmeris. Did I say it right, Kim? Yes, thanks. Okay, Kim Palmeris will be joining us right now, and he's the CEO of Mendability, which is a tool for parents um, to, it, who want to have their children undergo enrich, sensory enrichment therapy. That's exactly right. All right, so talk to us, Kim. How did your company come to be? And share a little bit of the Aronoff story, if you don't mind. It's a bit of a long journey, and it starts with my mother, of all people. I think a lot of good stories start with mom. But um, she she basically did a lot of research on um, brain development and the types of uh, nurture and environments are conducive for healthy brain development. Um, she she then she got really famous in France. Um, you know she 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 wrote a lot of books. She was doing studies in daycare centers and in schools, and uh, and the whole idea was to help children develop blossom. You know and. Um, uh, somebody came up with the idea, well, wait a minute, if you can take a kid from, you know, A to A+, plus, then what if you, could you help a kid in A- minus to bring, to bring closer to A with the same method? And that's how it entered, it evolved into a, a therapy. And so they did a, um, a clinical trial at the Children's Hospital in Paris with, with children that it just did not know what to do with. I don't know if you're familiar with Pierre Robin syndrome. But it's it's a really horrible genetic disorder. Kids are born without a palate, and they have no cranial nerves between the nose and the shoulders. They're usually strapped into their beds because they have to do tracheotomy so that they can breathe. But that's that's the environment that the kids are born in. And so yeah. she did her thing there, and it was going really well. But things were just going too slow for my mother. She just that she's driven, driven, driven. I mean, and she, 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 she didn't make a lot of friends in the process, but then she moved to Canada and opened a clinic, and I sort of joined the team at the time. And then shortly thereafter, so we were doing sensory enrichment therapy in a very experimental, alternative, way out there kind of way, one-on-one with the parents. And then Eyal, uh, and then, and then Michael, Professor Michael Leon, on whose work some of this is based, uh, can I can I get you to name your mother since you keep saying your mother and it, it would be only Claudie. fair to give her a name. Her name Claudie and um, Claudie. and uh, so so Claudie kept kept in touch with all you know she she doesn't just read the article she calls the guys and she says all right I've just read your articles I need you to explain to me how you actually did this with your rats or with your cats or with and you know what most of those scientists are very approachable. Yeah. And uh, Professor Leon was one of them, and he, he his research was mostly uh, the pairing of smell and touch and the effect on brain development, on learning, all on rodents, obviously. And uh, what, what Claudia was trying to do is translate those wonderful protocols, and you know, those rats who were getting really, really clever and had brains that were resilient to all sorts of things like injection of, you know, they would inject lead straight into the, the rats' brains. They would... Um, there's a long list of things that they did to them. Uh, percussive head injury. I can only imagine the poor rat who got that. Yeah. <laughs> they created uh, genetic models of rats that mimicked autistic symptoms. And um, 
So, so, so anyway, so, so she talked to, to Professor Leon. She says, okay, well, by the way, I'm doing this on kids. And he's like, what? And it's, and it's working. And, it's, and so he was really excited about this and said, well, can I come and see? And so he, he made the trip all the way to Canada. And uh, she, you know, Claudia gave him a tour at the clinic. Said, this is how I'm doing your protocols on rats. I'm actually doing this on kids. So my kids are smelling and touching all at the same time. And she was like, and he's really excited about this. And so he went back, and he, you know, people would go to him uh, once in a while. Say, "Well, you're you're a science, you're a brain scientist. You know, my kid has autism. My kid has CP. My kid has this. Do you know what I can do?" And uh, often enough, he would say, "Well, if it were my kid, I would go and see this weird lady in Canada." And that's how <laughs> it, uh, entered the, our world. And uh, Leah did the program for about a year and a half. And so every two weeks they would call in and say, okay, this is the changes that have happened in Leah's life. What do we do next? And Claudie would come up with a new set of sensory enrichment exercises, and they would move on and do those exercises every day. These guys did it religiously. They were, you know, they're poster, poster kids. We yes, I, I mean, I get that. I, I do a therapy, too. And when I get a family that will completely do everything I say, it's so exciting. It's really exciting. I mean, and, and so, and, and, you know, and, and, and Leah talks about the progress that she made, so I don't really need to go into too much of that. But the dad, who's a businessman, said, look, this is really, really good. We need, to, we need a lot more people to know about this. And he said, okay, well, you guys need to have clinical trials done, and you need to do this, and you need to do that. And so I did my homework. That, that's my contribution to the company as, as Cody's son. You know, I have a degree in biochemistry, so it helps me understand what, she, what they, these guys talk about. But my role really was to put the pieces together, to take this to the step where, you know, it's now clinically validated. The replication study has just been done. In fact, Professor Leon, um, who's the one who, en- who ended up doing the clinical trials on kids with autism, you can see that he's part of the story too. Um, and he's such an integral part of that story. And so he did the, the first, the, he did the pilot with, you know, just about, I think only about 30 kids. The results were really, really good. And so he shared it with, uh, with all his peers. And there's two kinds of scientists out there there's, uh, who, on, who looked at autism. There's a neuroscientist who is very familiar with uh, Professor Leon's previous work. And they looked at his stuff and it's oh yeah, it's very solid. It looks good. Congratulations. It looks really promising. I hope we can do a lot of good work with this. And then you have the autism researchers who come in from, you know, maybe psychology or speech or and they and they looked at Professor Leon's results and it's like, Whoa, this is a fluke. We won't believe it until there's a replication study. And so Professor Leon very cautiously said, Okay, my next on the line here so don't tell anybody about the results of the pilot until the replication study is out. And um, and he just finished this month um, tabulating, well, still working through some of the videos because for the replication study, they went and recorded a lot of stuff, and they're now going through every single minute of every single video to make sure they don't miss anything. They're, they're working really hard on this. Uh, way over budget, I'm sure. But anyway, so so now that the results are replicatable and they're just so reliable, uh, he says, okay, you can now go ahead and and tell people about the results of the pilot. So so we released our product at the same time. 
uh, mendability at the same time, and so that, and that's with El's help. El is the is a co-founder of mendability as well, and he's the one who. And he's, there you go. That's the story. It's a beautiful story, and what I got. Okay, so here are the things that I love. Um, one of the things I love that's cost-effective, and I love what I do. I travel all over the world. I use neurofeedback and play. I really do a lot of enrichment stuff. I do a lot of, a lot of the things you're doing, but certainly not in the way that you're doing them. And um, and I have great, great results. But it's expensive to have me come. And, you know, I do my best to set the family up to be independent and then be able to have a very cheap therapy after I leave. But they still have to get me there. And it's super expensive. So I'm always trying to find things that I love. And scientifically, I love this. And I'm actually going to do my own personal little, and I'll tell everybody how it goes. I'm gonna, um, I have an autistic son at home. So I'm going to sign up. And I'm going to follow your protocol, and I'm going to see uh, what kind of changes we get. Um, so it's going to be my home experiment because I love, you know, everything I read about this, and I really certainly theoretically back what you're doing. Um, so I love that. I love that it's cost-effective. I love that families can do it in the home, which is so awesome because they don't have to take them somewhere every single day. Um, I love uh, that you have somebody sitting there, standing on stage saying, yeah, I used to not be able to talk and here I am and, and really sharing her story. Um, and it's just, it's so exciting to me. So uh, when you say A to A plus, way back at the beginning of your story, do you yeah. mean that initially your mom was applying these ideas for peak performance and then ended up in working with actual disorders? Or Can you explain that a little? Uh, she worked with neurotypical kids. And the idea was to, to provide the kind of envir- enriched environment that was helping those rats develop resilient brains. Um, it's sort of preparing... Um, helping those kids develop the kind of brain that would become strong enough, powerful enough, healthy enough to resist, to, to, to not be vulnerable. You know, things like allergies, things like stress, things like... Right. The it was in France, and the school environment in France, I don't know if you're familiar with it. Oh, yeah, I go to France it, like three or four times a year. 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. of yeah. grueling schoolwork. Yeah, it's 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 re- it's really stressful, and a lot of the kids just just don't do well in it. And so, she and and also something about you, you talked about it earlier that uh, well, you touched on it earlier. But the, the the philosophy back then was to when the kids are born, put mittens on them so they don't scratch their faces. Make sure you're really quiet so they can fall asleep. And odor free was starting to come out and. Uh, you know, don't don't hold the kids too long because you're cuddling them, you know. And if they cry, let them cry in their cribs and, you know, feed them every couple of hours. All those books were starting to come out that were starting to in, – in, uh, and she wanted to go against that. Oh, have you heard about, like, a lot of the families were engaging in – where they would create a germ-free environment in a room, and the child literally lived there. And you'd have to give – it was like some kind of sci-fi movie where you'd, you know, you'd become completely germ-free before entering the room, like the kids that live in a bubble, only these, these were just autistic kids, and they were trying to heal them uh, and, that and way. I mean, so scary. Are they doing it? Are there people actually doing that now? Yes, there's people doing that, yes. And there have been for years. Um, there's people doing everything. When it comes to autism, there's people doing everything. Um, and so you, and there's always benefits. 
where I have a problem is when it scientifically doesn't make sense, maybe they're getting the benefit from some secondary gain of the attention the child's yeah. getting, the one-on-one they're getting, but they're still setting them up to not be strong enough to handle the world they live in and, or the second they come out of their bubble that, you know, to, to have to deal with. Um, the sounds of the street is going to be overwhelming, and then the next thing you know, they're saying to yeah. everybody, oh, they can't handle this. Well, of course not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if it works, you know, it works. You don't want to... Right, I no, that. I agree, but but it doesn't work. It works for the one-off, the, uh, you know, and yeah. so that creates a whole series of people. No different than in France when they were, and still do, wrap kids in, in cold ice water sheets to try and shock their sensory system yeah, and shock them uh, out no, of autism. Yeah, so, Duh. Yeah, there's a lot of um, funny, you know, I mean, and I hope that it all comes from a good place. I hope. No, of course it does. I think everybody, that's the that's a beautiful point. I, I do think that regardless of what people are trying, they're trying to help the children and that it gets lost inside of theories, um, and they're so busy trying to help the children, sometimes they lose sight of what the child's going through, and it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I think you're right. I think it all comes from a good place, absolutely. Let's just do something, though, that makes it so that their life is enriched as opposed to subtracted from. That's my problem. That's definitely where we're coming from, yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. So can you tell, I know you said you didn't want to go into Leia's story, but we have a few more minutes. And remember, they didn't see what I saw. They didn't hear her talk. And they can go on the website, but let's let's give them sort of a synopsis of Leia's story so that um, they want to go on your website. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, Leia was your... You know, high-functioning, I would probably say. You know, she, she didn't, you know, rock all the time. And she had some verbal abilities. She was able to get her points across occasionally, but she was extremely quiet. And it was, uh, and she described it really well in her talk, that everything was happening so fast around her. She She felt like she could not keep up with people asking her questions all the time. But when you ask dad or mom, they weren't asking her questions all the time. And maybe it was trying to engage with her once in a while. But her, the, pro, the time it would take her to process information in and trying to, to, to respond to the information was, was extremely difficult for her. You know? And you could see her that she wanted to, you could see that as a little girl she wanted to engage, but she what, it wasn't able to engage. And so she would just retrench into, into her bubble and she would just stay there until things will calm down and she will be able to, to come out a little bit. She wasn't violent. She wasn't, um, she was, on the contrary, she, she was quite, she was over calm, just not engaging with anything and not, she didn't seem interested in anything. She had some uh, eating things. Um, and uh, so, so that, that's the girl that, that's the world that she lived in. Mm-hmm. And when they first discovered that it was related to autism, that it had the big A word, and that's when they went to see Professor Leon, and, and he said, mm, you know, I, if it were me, I think I would go and see this great lady <laughs> in Canada. Um, and, it took, and it took a year and a half uh, to, to the point where she is this, not bubbly, but certainly very confident and very comfortable lady. So you can put her in any environment, and she'll be 
she'll be the center of attention. She has this, I think she gets this from her dad. She has this uh, aura around her where she draws people in. People want to be with her, and she's very independent, and she's she writes blogs, she writes poems. So she's kept her, the talents. She's kept, uh, you know, a, a lot of times we have parents who say, my kid is super intelligent and he has great talents and and um uh and they're afraid that if they do therapy those things are going to go away because you know we're trying to make our kids normal that's not what enrichment therapy is about you that's know and i've never actually about. seen that happen i've seen savants reduce but not talent it's like a savant is so exclusive and they don't pay attention to anything else so i've seen a you know a person who then unfolds into a more generalized knowledge of the world becomes less hyper-focused in this one area, and they're not as, um, yeah, it's not yeah, as crazy different. And it's apparent is that they'll lose the party trick. Right. They'll keep the, the usefulness of the talent. You right. know, That's a beautiful way of putting have it. Visual memory. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be, they still have incredible visual memory. But they might right. not be able to fly over Paris and draw Paris entirely, you know, with just one scan. They might not be able to do that anymore. Right, exactly. Lose the party trick. I like that, the way you put it. Really, I find that um, if it's a healing therapy, if your child is healing, they just become more of what they are, more capable of being themselves. They don't become less, they become more. Yeah, because they are not the party trick. That's not that. Right, right exactly. Exactly. What they Very are cool. is the kid who wants to get hugs, the the kid who wants to talk, the kid who wants to share, the kids who want to say, Mommy, I love you. That's what they are. I mean, some of them will be mischievous, some of them will be shy, and right. some of them will be <laughs> really active in sports, and, and some of them will write poems. And they can't write now because they don't know how to write or they don't know how to say things. Exactly. Oh, very cool. So I'm so excited. I hope everybody checks out your website. So tell them how to do that. Tell them how to check out your uh, your website, your program. People, this is really affordable. It's something you can do at home. You can take control um, with this. So, and I want you to hear back how it goes. So please share your info. Mendability.com. That's that's the name of the site. The ability to mend. And funnily enough, it's not a word in the dictionary. We were looking for, you know, repairability. We want to do hardcore words like brain repair and things like that. But mendability, when we came up with the word, it just rolled off the tongue. It was so nice, and we totally loved it, right? Anyway, mendability.com. Awesome. Uh, and they can even they, see the video that, of the TED Talk there, can they not? They can. It's in a testimonials page. Um, you know what? I'm not 100% sure about that. I you know, know what, I'll find it and I'll put a link to, to it for everybody. Time, okay, yeah, everybody, but, um, I'll put the link. I'll, as soon as I hang up, I'll make sure that the TED Talk with Leah is is front and center on the testimonials page. Okay. And there's a, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of testimonials there. But I want to make sure that that Leah, because we're talking about her today, is, is the one that's easiest to find for sure. Okay, that would be awesome. All right, and is there anything that you would like to share, a last thought, um, you know, just something you think would really help people or just something that you've always wanted to say, you know, <laughs> like uh, Happy Thanksgiving or <laughs> anything you want to say um, to, you know, give your own personal message to all of these parents that are listening to the show today? Well, the mission, the mission 
Eyal's and my mission was to find a practical solution that would be, that's just doable. It's just too many stories out there of people. I mean, there's only one or two programs out there that are clinically validated that the that will be covered by insurance, and they cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And when I say covered by insurance, some most of you know, in most cases, you can't actually get paid for. And when Eyal's biggest dream is to is to is for all families who have a kid with autism to have something that they can do that will work. We didn't try to find the cure. We didn't try to find the, the thing that would rid of all the symptoms. We have something that's been clinically validated and that works well enough. And so, and so that's what we've got. We've got something that parents can do. And, and so now our job is to make sure that everybody can do it. So we've got partnerships with associations, and we give them free memberships. And those associations are going to be the ones administering the free membership. So even the $89 a month, that's not just doable because you got diets to take care of, you got ex, you know special foods, you got appointments all over the place that you need to do. So $89 is still not going to be good for some families. So, so that's what we're trying to do. Oh well, that's that's great. Um, and I want to give people a sense of you know. Um, they're probably thinking, okay, you're talking about this, but what's an example of the kind of thing I would do? And um, basically, you know, when you were talking about pairing smell, and I mean, their exercise is a lot of it. It's just, it's not like sit your child at a table and, and tell them don't do this and don't do that. It's exposing them to pairing of different senses, having them walk uh, on different textures. You have a little video on your site where there's a boy walking on different textures, holding yeah. onto his, something on his head so that his hands can't balance him, so he has to change his core behavior and proprioceptive and stuff. And so it really is that kind of almost a like a, a playful, interesting exercise to do, right? Yeah. I, I, when I describe it to parents, I say two things. Lifestyle changes, introduce as many sensory experiences in the life of your children as you can. Whenever you go to the park, don't take flowers and trees and grass for granted. Enjoy them. Walk barefoot, this kind of stuff. And and then twice a day do your, you know, therapy stuff that we're going to give you to do. And like I said, there's, you know, simple exercises, and they take one to two minutes each. So your your typical daily sessions will last 10 to 15 minutes twice. That's what we're talking about. And that's a great thing. Okay, thank you so much for joining oh, me. No, thank you, Lynette. Thank you. Yeah, I'm real excited, and I hope you get at least a lot of people to your website to check it out because, uh, come on, guys, I really think this makes so much sense. Wait till you hear the end of the show, and you'll know no why. No pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> All right, bye-bye. Thank you so much, Mr. Kim, CEO of Mendability. You are listening to a new spin on Autism Answers. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher host otherwise known as the Brain Broad. I just kind of love saying that. Um, This is a place where we actually go to find answers, not just raise questions and complain and commiserate. Today, other than commiserating, we're going the flip side. We're going all the way to the other side into gratitude, into thankfulness, into aren't we lucky to have autism in our lives, because yes, we are. Um, you have already heard our first guest stay to the very end where there will be stories from the road. And now 
in the okay, 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 great guest giveaway spot, we have, check it out, Carrie Bowers. Now, she's the owner of Normal Films, but she's so, 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 so much more than just that. In fact, she's so much, I almost can't even introduce her. Um, she, we've chatted several times over the years. I first became aware of her with Autism the Musical. She's done a trillion things. She's got an awesome son. I'm going to let her talk to you about all of that. And trust me, if ever there was somebody who can do gratitude, it's Carrie Bowers, so it's the perfect spot. So hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you, and good morning and or afternoon or evening as you listen to this everywhere. Yay. So let's start with, since I stuck you in the okay, 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 great guest giveaway spot, let's just jump right in before we get off and talking as moms do and talk about all the grateful things we have in our lives. Um, let's talk about uh, what you want to give away and, and give it a little light so people can yeah. know about it. Awesome. It would be my third documentary film called Arts, and it's about possibilities, disabilities, and the arts and how we can... Um, just do so many things. The arts are my passion. That's how I roll. That's how I, I work with kids. That's how I help my son to grow up and, and be where he's at today at almost 25. Um, and so the arts, um, it's got Temple Grandin, Stephen Shore, Jerry Newport, Mary Newport, all kinds of wonderful um, interview subjects within the film, and it really just shares an attitude of gratitude, actually, through being creative and expressive to help grow language, cognition, social skills, fine motor skills, gross motor skills, and so on. So I'm giving away a couple of copies of that. So um, That's awesome. So they just, they'll we, just email me. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Great. They'll just email me, guys, email me at, and actually I'm going to have you email me at a new email because um, it's not been working out. My, my other one, which I love so much because it's called Mom Forevermore, is sending a lot of stuff back for some reason. So for this section anyway, let's start emailing me at lynette at lynettelouise.com. So you just put in the subject line, the arts. And we will know that you, if you're the first or the second person, you'll get a copy of that. So that's awesome. Okay, so Carrie, do, let's just give them a sense of, of you. I mean, I first came aware of you, as many, many people did, with Autism the Musical. What a great project. And do you realize how many people have sort of copied well, that and copied Well, actually, it's, it's normal people scare me, but Autism the Musical is the Miracle Project, and I, do, I am the art director for the Miracle Project. Oh, so, thank so, you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so just to clear, you know, that's funny. Elaine Hall, who runs the Miracle Project, um, and myself, we were in our own little pocket of California, she in Santa Monica, me in Thousand Oaks, me for, uh, it'll be 25 years on Christmas Eve when my son turns 25. She's been doing her stuff for, you know, over a decade um, with with autism and we just ended up finding out about each other only about five or six years ago and so we both through documentary film through the arts through music drama dance movement we support and enrich children and adults to become more of the beautiful soul that they were meant to be through through this this opportunity called the arts so it, it was not yeah, it was Normal People Scare Me was the first film that I created um, with my son, Taylor. 
so I knew your name was on the other one, and I just put it on the list. So how many? So this is your third documentary. So then you've done Normal People Scare Me. What's the one in the middle? Oh, I love that one. That's the Sandwich Kid, and that was made with my son Jace, and it is the brother and sister perspective of growing up with life with a sibling with a disability. Um, in fact, I was just got back from Texas. Um, a few days ago, did a sibling celebration over a hundred attendees with siblings. I mean, it was just the most beautiful thing. Um, I'm really grateful this week for siblings because you know, in this world where of autism, special needs, it's a full time job, certainly for mom, for dad. Um, but siblings, guess what? They give it away for free, and they never they never chose it. You know. Right, right. And, there and, they are. <laughs> yeah. So siblings, I really want to shout out to siblings. You know, if, can you imagine if around the world they went on strike just for a day? <laughs> I know. did the buddy system that we would have been so in trouble. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah. like, I have a buddy. Yeah. It, it, you know. So yeah. So that's the sandwich kid, and then of course the arts film. And I'm working on a couple of projects right now that have to do. One has to do with sexuality and disability. Well, that's um, very necessary, very necessary. Yeah, very much so. It's really something that we're coming to see more and more. The downside, the problem, you know, we react as a society or even as parents when the crisis ensues. We're not being as proactive in this area that I know we need to be. And so I'm doing anecdotal from clients and from friends and people, you know, adults with autism, um, who Stephen Shore will be loaning some some insight into this. Stephen Selpel, a wonderful artist. You know, we're going to really do like the to and the from um, of being safe, um, being in love. And you know, that's so important. My low-functioning son is now engaged to marry a high-functioning, wonderful autistic woman. And sexuality has been a real issue for them. You know, they're like, well, always asking me what you're supposed to do. And, I mean, it wasn't the role you thought you were going to have to have to coach through every little step. Well, and like I said, and... And like I said, and I'll be interviewing Lynette Louise for the project. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, yeah, it, exactly. Yeah. So tell me, Carrie, did how did this all transpire? Was it that you first uh, got together on the one I thought was your first film, and turns out you were doing art direction on? Uh, so the autism the musical. Did you first get a spark of making movies? from that experience or can you tell us the story it was really taylor it was his idea one day i I believe all of us i don't really have um any bias about a person's abilities if you will i'm not wherever they are on the spectrum they should be doing community service of some sort they should be looking outward they should be you know reaching outward and and seeking to find social skills life skills Cognition, language, etc., through being of service to others. And in this time, this week of Thanksgiving, you know, it's more appropriate that we really look at how are we grateful. And so I was very grateful that I was somehow blessed to have the intuition to put my son, who definitely had language issues in the beginning, today he, he is very conversational. Um, but I thought, wow, if he looked outside of himself, that'll help him. Because back in the day, there was no Internet. You know, there was no groups right. for moms of unusual, quirky right. sons. <laughs> um, and so I put him in community service. 
And when years later, as he got better at the process, he said to me right before his birthday, Christmas, when he was turning 15, he said, Mom, I want to earn money to pay for the gifts myself this Christmas. We adopted families. And um, I, he said, what can I do to earn money? And I said, well, you can claim the swimming pool. And he said, ah, <clears throat> I don't think so. I want to make videos and sell them. And I told him, you know, every reason in the book why he couldn't do that. That was my knee-jerk reaction. You've got to go to film school. You've got to have money. You've got to be an adult. La, 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 la. And I looked at his face, and he was just sucking in everything I told him about what was not possible. And it just, I got a God shot in that moment. It just hit me. And I turned to him, and I said, you know, Taylor, everything I said is a lie. It's not the truth. The truth is you can make a film. I don't know how to do it, but you can make a film. And, you know, the world works in amazing ways. When you put energy out, it responds very often in kind. And a week later, we met Joey Travolta, and Taylor decided to make a film called Normal People Scare Me, and that autism would be the subject. And um, we made a student film, and that turned into the 90-minute feature that took us all over the world. Wow. That's a great story. I'm glad I asked you to do that. <laughs> so on the gratitude thing, you're doing something special. And, and by the way, congratulations to you for going ahead and following your son's idea. I did a similar thing uh, with Dar when he was, and he was so disabled, he couldn't even, he couldn't even like get words out. So he sort of, you know, but he could point to letters and stuff, and he said he wanted to be an actor, and I'm like, oh, okay. And he, he had three interests, music, acting, and girls. So we used to make plays every day where he had a girlfriend and they were doing something. <laughs> and then I would get my friends to come over and act them out with him, and we would tape it. And I thought it was so interesting that just recently we came across this old DVD of that, and we're looking at it, and I went, oh, my gosh, no wonder he's getting married. I set it up way back then. Wow. You know, you're really hitting the pulse and the heartbeat of, I'm also co-founder with Deborah Hosseini of the Art of Autism. I also work a lot with Joanne Lara um, as art director for Autism Movement Therapy. So right now you're hitting the beats, you know, the drama. The, the creating the set, creating the process, enrolling him at his level in what he loved, this is how we roll. I'm working with two little girls one-on-one -on -one, and everything we do from reading to math to whatever it is we're working on, we will pull drama, we'll sing it, we'll sing the alphabet, you know, we'll sit for the little one um, right. in a different way, not just the traditional ABC song. We'll make up little things about the letters that we giggle about, and it becomes fun. And so, you know, I would love to see what you've got. In fact, The Art of Autism, I'm sure, would, would love to post that, that video, or, and we have a, there's a paper that Deborah Hosseini writes um, every day um, in the arts. And so this is just really exciting what I'm hearing you say. Oh, happy to share it. Now, it's from an overhead camera, so, you know, it's not great video, it but it's still exciting. It doesn't matter. It still can show the process. You know, when right. Taylor was three and four and five years old and did not have um, language, 
um, I would videotape him and then I would play it back to him with the object always catching desired behavior. What does Taylor see? Oh my Is gosh, Taylor that's exactly happy? what I do. <laughs> what, and, 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 and invariably, I'm sure you can relate, I would catch him in the meltdown or the behavioral issue. And then later, a day later or a week later, whatever, in a moment of calm, I would show him and say, what does Taylor see? He began to then take responsibility for all of the good behavior or the undesired behavior and began to be able to self-assess and become more self-aware. And so the arts are just bar none. And, and I guess that leads into what you were asking about my special project. And it, it's, it's an attitude of gratitude. I call it tude of gratitude. And I was in a place, I'm an artist myself, and I've had a really tough couple of years. For families listening out there where economic downturns have really hit you hard and you're dealing with autism all at once, I have been there, and I'm now on the upside of a very dark and difficult journey, which was for me unexpected and changed changed my spirit for a very long time. 122 days ago, I was watching Super Soul Sunday um, on the OWN channel, and there was an author on who wrote Simple Abundance. And she talked about her own downturn, that she lost everything and went into a couple of years tailspin. And I so related. And I could not help but remember when I had the book, Simple Abundance, that I was doing daily gratitude. So right then and there, I decided I was going to post 365 days of gratitude. And I decided to post it in social media for no other reason than to hold myself accountable because I knew that it was a very large undertaking to, to for 365 days. Uh, I challenge anyone to cock your head back, look up, and look down at the same time. And so I began a journey on Facebook, on my wall, which started to get traction from friends and people emailing me and, Carrie, you've inspired me. Now I'm doing this too. So I'm on 122 days today. And I want to say in there, there have been two things. I won't go into details, but two extremely tragic things that occurred in my life um, with family that on that on that day and the days that followed, my brain is saying, how do you find gratitude in all of this? How in the world can you post anything positive when, you know, I had a family member um, pass away, um, actually through suicide? And how in the world do you find gratitude? Well, what I discovered is that the measure of gratitude is not when we're happy, not when things are going along at their best. That's wonderful, and it's enriching. But the measure of gratitude is when things are the worst. When, you know, when we have a child and one of the incidents involved my son. And it was very, very tragic for our family. And I didn't know how to do anything other than live into my commitment. So I made gratitude happen. It has changed my life. That's amazing absolutely changed my life. One young man, he won't mind me saying his name, Travis Breeding, he's um, in his mid-20s. He's a book publisher, and he was going through a very difficult time. And about 15 days ago, he decided to do it. And so he called me and said, Carrie, I'm going to do gratitude. Talked to him two days ago. He called me up to say, Carrie, it's changed my life. 
it's changed and transformed my life. And I said, you know, Travis, be cautious because there will be dark days. He said, I know, I'm preparing, but I'm, I'm so, you know, definitely concentrated and committed to this process because it's changed in just 14, I guess it was 14, 15 days when he called me. So, you know, for families out there who are struggling um, with whether it's the, you know, getting the diagnosis of autism, whether it's the behavioral issues or the schools or the IEPs or, you know, the daily, daily challenges and difficulties of this thing called special needs, I, I really highly recommend that, they, that you take on your own attitude of gratitude and just see what happens. You know, there's a book. Um, and it you know, goes on and on about how, in actual fact, we're all the same. We think we're unique, but we're all the same. Um, and it's actually it's, it's called Stumbling on Happiness. And at first I didn't like it, and I had to come back to it a few times. But, um, but it, was, it was a really good read, and it was wonderful. But there was uh, this whole idea of, you know, people are just deciding to be happy. <laughs> like, as if that's bad. You know, it's, it's like, you know, people are just deciding that they're going to uh, see it a certain way when, in fact, it's, you know, you could see it the other way and be unhappy. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> so, and the problem is, so there you were in the middle of a tragedy. And because of your previous commitment to the process of gratitude, did it not give you a gift that was a better way to make it through? Well, it, I think it goes far beyond a better way to make it through. In fact, I kind of like a, a better way to make it through. Um, I really rather – well, let me, let me rephrase this. I have never learned any great lesson in life through the happy, happy, you know, the best at experiences of my life. The greatest lessons, the greatest gift of me being a woman that I'm proud to be has come through my darkest times. You know, whether it was my son's initial diagnosis or whether it was my husband passing away on my fifth wedding anniversary. You know, there's been some things that have happened in my life. We all have our, our crosses to bear. And my experience is that it's when I seek the gratitude, that is when my spirit rises the highest. And it's not just getting through. It's transcending the experience of what appears to be darkness. And, you know, I also have a saying, though, and an attitude of gratitude notwithstanding, when I get upset about something, that's not to say that we wash over it or that we just pretend it's not there. I, I like to say to my kids and to myself, you can go there, just don't stay too long. So if I need to be upset about something or express um, discomfort, unhappiness, go through a challenge, the days I posted gratitude, that didn't mean that I didn't sit with my sorrow. That didn't mean that I didn't explore the feelings and emotions that were attached to you know, the, the so-called tragedy or the thing going on in my life. I, I did go through that. It's just to say that and, and you mentioned earlier making the, making a choice. I made a choice. I will be with this pain, but I will not let it beat me. I will not let it hold me down too long. I think that's beautiful. I'm not even going to touch it. I mean, I, I love go there, don't stay too long. That's actually the sign of mental health. Well, it is. 
And, and, you know, being a choice, you know, something a little bit out of context that's somewhat related. One of the little girls, Emma, that I'm working with, she is in the fifth grade and she doesn't like to read. And so yesterday I was breaking, I would get to work with her for many, many hours a week. It's just a wonderful situation. It's not an hour here or an hour there. I'm working with her for at least a good 15 hours a week. And she, she was just so upset because I was going to make her, make her, quote unquote, read. <laughs> and her dad walks in and she says, Carrie's making me read. And I had a conversation with her about shifting where she puts her focus. Now, she's very high functioning, um, but she does have a lot of cognition, you know, connecting to things. That's, that's a struggle for her. So I said, you know, Emma, if we were to try and work on how you see reading and maybe the book that we're reading, you're, you're not really into it. I could tell she didn't like the story. So in other words, as parents, as educators, if we don't just try to teach into the, the, the rote way of one plus one is two, but we make it exciting. So what, what I did is I got from her by shifting my perspective on her issue and changing up, if you will, the way that I was attempting to help her and support her to read, I discovered, A, she hated the book we were reading. B, the chapter books were overwhelming her. And C, she had such struggle with reading that it was not enjoyable. So we went into her room and got a more simple book, little, you know, a more fun story, if you will. And all of a sudden, she's reading like a charm. And when I'm saying, okay, what do you remember from that past page? She was able to read it. Now, that happened almost in a minute. We've been reading now intensely for weeks. But what I was asking her to do was to shift and change her mind about what she was doing. And I've been working on this concept with her for about eight months. So she's beginning to get it. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes so much sense. No, I mean, sometimes I get the kid. I, I remember one time where, okay, and I'm just going to say this, and then we're going to have to say goodbye. We're out of time, but I want to close. I, I just have to say something. <laughs> so this one child I was working with, um, exact same thing, and it turned out that if he wrote the story about himself and we took pictures of things he cared about, that all of a sudden it was interesting, but he could only read it if he wrote it. So I said, here's the deal. You do page one, I do page two. You do page three, I do page four. It was about finding out what interested and motivated. To get to his piece of the story, he would read my piece of the story. And then exactly. Before, you know, <laughs> so it's I, about, yeah. A, a little boy, Luis, and I doing the same thing. He likes to recreate, you know, the action figures. So we're, he gets to do a little bit of that, and then we're writing scripts on topics that take him out of it. When we find a balance... When we find the carrot, that's when we can grow the opportunity. And I'll just leave it at this. For Thanksgiving, Grandma's coming into town, and I told this little girl, I'd like you to finish reading this book on your own, and then I want you to read it to Grandma and to your dog, Angel, and to your sister. How does that sound? She lit up so big. She was now excited about the opportunity to read to her dog, to her grandma, and to her sister. 
And that's a great ending. Cherry, I'm going to have to have you back another time and we'll just talk play, play ideas maybe. Maybe we'll do brainstorm set. Uh, would, you, would you come back another time? Heck yeah. I'm always available. Love it, love it. And I love creating new ideas for growing and opportunities for families. All right. Thank you so much for being here. Carrie Bowers, who was a part of the Miracle Project, Autism Music, but isn't... Uh, that isn't normal, uh, normal Films. Normal Films has done three documentaries. They are Normal People Scare Me, The Sandwich Kids, The Arts. The Arts is up for grabs. If somebody wants one, remember to email me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Carrie, for being here with us. And my apologies on having that mixed up at the beginning. That's okay. Blessings to all. Wow, do we ever have a lot to be grateful for. First of all, our guests are amazing. We have had such a great day. I don't even know if I can top it, but it is time. That was Carrie Bowers, by the way. It is time for Stories from the Road. All right, got to put this all together into a package. I was thinking about what Carrie said when she said that some of her greatest growth has come from pain and and the dark places and you know it was that's something that my daughter and I used to want to do a talk on is that it doesn't have to come from extreme pain uh, because we do grow so much when we um, transcend those issues but is it necessary so it was a question we always wanted to raise in a, in a sort of two people talk and I think where I'm at now is that extreme pain isn't necessary to grow but variety is so you have to have the rainbow of emotions, the rainbow of, of experience, which brings up the mendability concept of you have to have this whole sensory evolution. You have to have everything coming your way. And, and it reflects what Carrie said, where she just found what worked for her son, and she followed that through, and she showed him on video what it looked like, what he was doing, and then he recreated himself. And I've done that with so many families, said, show them themselves on this video that we're making, and they will change. And it's really, really true, and you edit it sometimes to help them. I get kids to put sensors on their head because they think they already did because I edit it. So, you know, it's really beautiful to show kids themselves. And... um, and so I'm thinking, now, how do, I, how do I wrap this all together in a story from the road? And my mind was going on, you know, uh, I have my, my grandson who liked to be uh, naked and dirty in the woods <laughs> and went from autistic to completely, you know, fitting in in school and, and other than being the coolest kid I've ever met uh, is completely, you know, in the range of neurotypical, so he would have no diagnosis. So I thought about that, and I thought about the many times that I've discovered that poor, the poorer families tend to have uh, more, an, more of an enriched environment because they can't hire a million therapists. And, and it's so interesting how somebody with a lot of money will think they're enriching their child's environment by all of these therapists but they tend to not do it on the fly. An example would be um, a child who comes up to me and and makes a sound, and rather than me right then and there going, oh, um, you're talking to me, that sounded like God. Do you want to go somewhere? And, you know, instead of doing that on the fly in the moment of happening, they ignore it, but then send them over to the speech therapist. Well, when you don't have money, you tend to live it in the moment. 
And very often, the kids without money are super exposed to, you know, walking barefoot, walking in all different sizes of shoes, smelling different smells, tasting different. You can't cater to their diet the same way, so they have to absorb it. I mean, there can be some really great benefits. So as the show's evolved, I've had all these little notes to myself, tell this story, tell that story, tell this story, tell that story, even to the point when Carrie mentioned about um, doing this thing on social media because she wanted to make herself accountable. I videotaped my sessions playing with my son in order to police myself so that I wouldn't fall asleep because I found his um, his stem so so boring <laughs> it would make me go to sleep you know and I was like oh what if I tape myself I would never want anyone to see I can't stay awake with my son and that actually worked so I'm thinking of all these stories but I think I I think this one though it is shocking and difficult to hear is really how I want to close today so I was in New York I was working with um, a boy in that first couple of months and uh, I was, it was the weekend off, and I was on my way to visit a family that I hadn't seen in a long time, one of my first families I ever worked with, and it was real exciting. So I'm in the cab, and we're on, on our way, and I heard the weirdest thing in my head. It was like as if God or the universe or some huge male voice said, this is a gift. As the taxi came around the corner, and the gift was awful. There was a woman being stabbed and the the taxi pulled over to uh, screeched to a halt and he's like, Look at look at what's happening, look at what's happening and there's a man uh who's who's got a bunch of chef's knives, which in my mind had been machetes. I guess my mind played a trick on me. Later I found out they were chef's knives that he had taken from a restaurant and he had grabbed a hold of a 60-year-old woman, and he was stabbing her, and she was screaming. And and I jumped out of the cab, and I went running towards him, the screaming stop. And then he looked up and went to go and stab me. And I ran back into the taxi, and I didn't know what to do. And, and I'm screaming, you know, and the guy's calling 911. And beyond the training in my life, uh, which is called 911, I was out of ideas because... That's what happens to your frontal lobes, and you don't know what to do when you can't have creative thought, when there's a trauma afoot, when stress is rampant, which is why you don't want to stress, which is why you want to do gratitude. There I am in this taxi, screaming, um, opening the door again to run and running back in, not helping this woman in any way, shape, or form. The man has now dragged her into the street. Everybody, the whole street is silent, staring at this. Nobody knows what to do. We're all, they're all frozen in place. I'm not frozen in place. I'm screaming in a cab, hiding my eyes, looking, opening the door, like, like a little koopy doll or something. I don't know, so like a buzzing bee trying to do something and not knowing what to do, which is interesting because I do know what to do in in situations of violence when I'm dealing with a client. But the surprise of this was so huge, and the man was trying to decapitate her. He had her by the hair, and he was trying to remove her head, and an off-duty police officer shot him. Thank goodness. Um, he He survived, but he was... 
in a psychotic break because he hadn't had his meds and he just lost it. So how does one be grateful? Here's what's interesting. Though I didn't have the training to know what to do in the circumstance, in hindsight I've gathered that training. I now work with violent clients, hadn't done up until then, and I am very successful with those clients. Because of that one incident, I went out and learned a bunch of things that now benefit people and changed the story for them. And even in that moment when it was over and I was continuing on my journey to the uh, to see this other family and have, believe it or not, a, a day of gratitude and turkey and ham, on the way there, what I did already know about brains led me to heal myself. Even as, you know, of course I had given my name and everything to the police, but then as I continued the journey, I was looking for beautiful sights. I was saying, make sure you put in new new things. Look at those beautiful balloons. Look at the, the wonderful people smiling. Notice that the whole world's not dangerous. Notice that ev- all these people you're seeing at Grand Central Station are not dangerous. Notice, notice, notice how kind they are. They're helping each other. The, the smells, the sights. And I reinvigorated my brain with something beautiful, second by second by second by second. Then I made sure to talk about it the next day when I was ready, not that night. That night I just kept putting in beautiful sights and sounds and friendships and smiles. So I am grateful for all that I've learned in life and how many times what I learned carried me into a new and more beautiful place. And that is the gift of autism, of violence, of, of, and not to put those two together, by the way, of any kind of, ch- of, a, of a stomach surgery, of uh, poverty, of, you have an opportunity at every turn to decide, to be intentional. What am I going to do with this? How am I going to see it? And how am I going to make it into a beautiful thing? And there isn't anything that happens in life where you can't find a beautiful thing. Some things are harder to do that with, but it's always doable. So find a beautiful thing. Don't look at your life and say how it's tragic because then it is. Look at your life and say, what is the most beautiful thing in this moment? Have a Thanksgiving week. Have a Thanksgiving life, and thank you for listening. I'm Lynette Louise, your story teacher, host, otherwise known as the Brain Bot, and this is a new spin on autism. Answers. Thanks for being here. Without you, I would just be talking to myself. Thank you for joining the show today. Lynette is the author of the refreshingly honest and at times hilarious new book, Miracles Are Made, a real-life guide to autism. You can purchase this and other materials by looking on the webtalkradio.net website and clicking on the covers. You can also click through to her Facebook page and check out any show you may have missed by looking in the archives. We'll see you soon for another edition of a new spin on autism. Answers. Spinning in circles and talking to myself. Can't hear